So on an almost consistent basis when I talk to people and you ask them, hey, how are you doing? Almost everybody I talk to just says, I'm tired and I could just use a nap. I, I just, I feel overrun. And, and, and for many of us, as we look back on these last several years, we think, oh, well, you know, this is kind of the effects of COVID. This is kind of the, you know, this is what happens on the back end of the pandemic and all of that. We've just gone through this incredibly hard few years, but the reality is, is like you were all tired four years ago. It, it's not a new thing. Um, it, it's something, though, that all of us kind of run into. You know, I want you to just think about your, your normal day, and, and I want you to think about just kind of what it's like when, when you wake up. How, how easy is it to get going in the morning? Like, is it easy to get up in the morning? Is it easy to get going? Do you, do you just jump out of bed and just think, ah, oh, I'm so grateful to be alive. I get to do this again. Right? Or do you kind of hit the snooze button a few times, throw your phone across the room, you know, yell at the dog to stop barking and tell your kids to get back in their bed because, you know, even though the sun is up, it's not actually time to be up. And then you finally get going. You finally, like, get out the door. You're finally rushing out the door. You drop the kids off at school. You finally get to work. And I mean, and you, you finally get there. You sit down and you're just kind of tired. And you're dreading opening your email because you're just dreading, like, what came in overnight? Like, what things am I going to have to do? And so there's this feeling, too, when we send email, when we look at messages and stuff, that we'll send something out, and then an email will come in, another email will come in that actually makes that email we sent obsolete, and then we rush into a meeting that could have been an email. Like, those are the best meetings, the ones that could have been an email. But then when you leave the meeting, you just have more things to do. And many of us, when we finally get back to our desk, we just think, man, like, when do I actually do my job around here? I just kind of rush from one thing to the other, putting out this fire, and I'm, you know, texting with my kids to make sure that they're doing okay, and we're running errands, and, and then, do you know the worst moment of the day? They've actually done studies to tell you the worst moment of the day. Do you know what it is? It's 2.55 p.m. The worst moment of the day it is the worst minute of the day. Do you know what happens at 2.55 p.m.? You're just exhausted, and you're just thinking, how much more sugar can I ingest to get to the end of the day? H have I even done anything yet? Like, what, how do I get done? And then if you have kids, you've got to, like, rush home. You've got to pick them up. You've got to get to the baseball field, to the soccer field, or whatever it is you're doing that night, and you're, you're rushing around. You don't have any time to think about dinner, so you've got to get it from a teenager through a window and eat it in your car, and you finally get to the field. And do you know what we do at the field when we get to the field as parents? Let's just be honest what we do when we get to the field. We think, this is my first moment of freedom. And we scroll through social media but then we start to think about work. At least I do. So then I think, well, you know, if I'm going to think about work, I might as well work. So I might as well pull up my email and, like, you know, do some work if I'm going to sit here. And... But then there's, like, a guilty thing that happens when we're with our kids or we're with our family and friends and we're scrolling through social media or email and we think, you know, I should be present with them. Like, I should be with them in this moment, but instead I'm, I'm actually somewhere else. I'm just here physically. Right? And then when you finally get home and you finally just flop on the couch and you're just scrolling through Netflix, you finally get everybody into bed. And here's the thought that runs through our minds. You may not think this, but like somewhere in our bodies this is running through. As you're exhausted and you think, I get to get up and do this again tomorrow. <laughs> here's the thing. 
this is the good life. This is the life that you've worked, went to school. This is the life that you've created. And this is the life that we do day in and day out, again and again and again. And we think someday it's going gonna, it's gonna to change someday. Someday this season's going to be over. Someday it's just going to happen. Someday magically there's going to be some fairy dust and this busy season will end. But the thing is, is that we just go from one busy season to the next. And then we get together with our friends and they say, hey, how's it going? I, you know, I just need some balance in my life. Like I just need, you ever had somebody tell you this? I just need some more balance in my life. You should ask them what that means. Like nobody knows. We don't have any kind of definition of what balance is. And in fact, the amazing thing in Scripture, do you know what you will not find in Scripture? The idea of balance. You will not find anywhere in the pages of the Bible the idea that we are to live life in balance, that somehow we are supposed to balance work and life in some magical continuum. Instead, what you will find is that God created us to live life in rhythm, that we are to live life in rhythm. That life is a series of seasons that we are to live into. But the problem is, is that we kind of push that aside and just say, I'm going to like rush because everybody else is rushing. I'm going to sign my kids up for five different teams because everybody else is on five different teams. I'm going to be out every night of the week. And then when we finally burn out and hit the wall, do you know what we do? That's it. We're quitting everything. No more fun. No more activities. We're not volunteering at church. We're done with the Bible studies. We're staying home, and we're, we're hermits now. That's what we do. We just we run into the wall. And then we just quit everything, and then we're like, actually, this is kind of a punishment to us. We're all kind of bored now. So what do we, you know? And we, we all know people like this, and, and, and many of us are like this. And the thing is, is this is just, this is just normal. This is just like the life that all of us live. This is the life that everybody we know lives. And we look at people when we meet with people who kind of have this peaceful kind of aura about themselves and like aren't, they're very present in in conversations and you can tell they're sitting there with you and we just think, man, I want to be like that person. Like I want to be more like that. But then we don't change anything. I remember in 2012, I hit a wall. In 2012, our church that we had planted in Tucson, Arizona was about five years old. Our family was growing. Um, I was speaking and, and coaching leaders around the country, and so I was traveling a lot. I was writing a lot of sermons on planes, and finally, I just, I just hit this wall. And I was talking to a mentor about it, and, and I just said, you know, I, I feel like I'm burning out. I, I, I feel really depressed. I, you know, I, I get really anxious all the time, which is really not like me. And he said something that has completely changed mine and Katie's life. He said, Josh, he said, do you have a rhythm dashboard? And I said, what are you talking about? What is a rhythm dashboard? And he said, well, you know, he said on your car, he said there's a dashboard on your car and lights will blink and flash when something's going wrong, when something's happening, when you need to check the oil or, you know, you need to check this tire pressure or you need to check the engine. He said, lights will start to flash. And he said, sometimes we'll, we'll ignore it. You know, we'll ignore the fuel gauge. You know, we all have people in our lives who go, you know what, how, I, how close can I get? How, how much longer can I drive before this actually runs out? Like, maybe you're married to somebody like that. And, um, and, and so he said, you know, you need a rhythm dashboard. You need something that begins sirens going, lights flashing, that says you're, you're out of rhythm. 
And he said, because if we're honest, all of us know when we're about to hit empty. All of us know when we're about to run into the wall. And if you don't know, just ask the person close, people close to you. Your spouse knows. Your kids know. And the reason they know is because they can feel like your, your fuse is a little bit shorter. You're a little bit more tense. You're a little bit more anxious. Like they, everybody around you knows. All your coworkers know. They know when you walk in and they're like, oh, it's, it's that day. Okay. Oh, you know, like we all know. And so he said, you create a rhythm dashboard so that you are able to have a lens to look at whether or not you're running on empty. And so Katie and I sat down and we started to talk through um, some of our rhythm dashboards. Now, here's a couple that, that we wrote down. Maybe this will resonate with you. And if you uh, check the next step email box, we're going to send to you kind of how we did this. So here's a few that, that I wrote down. Things that are normally easy all of a sudden become hard. That, that's a rhythm dashboard for me. So when things that I normally can just kind of clip through become really difficult, the tasks in my life, the things that I'm gifted at, when I, the things that all of a sudden become really hard, that's how I know that I'm beginning to run on empty. Uh, another one is I become really indecisive. Okay? Like normally I can make a decision like that. I don't have to think about it. I'm just kind of intuitive and, and I just think, you know what, this is the right decision. We're just going to move forward with it. It's going to be great. But if I open up the refrigerator and I just think, I don't know what to eat right now, or if I say to Katie, hey, which show do you want to watch? She's like, I don't really care, which is always her answer. And, and then I'm like, well, now I don't know what to do. Whenever I begin to feel indecisive, I know my dashboard is starting to go off. I know that I'm running at a pace that's not sustainable. One for me is if it's really hard to fall asleep. Most Americans um, struggle to fall asleep. Many people, you know, have to take pills or drink something to fall asleep. But for me, whenever I start to see that my mind is racing when I lay down, I know that I'm running too fast because it's not a normal thing for me. For me, motivation's hard to come by. I just don't, like, I feel really lethargic, which is not my normal kind of go-to. And so when I start to see that motivation, that I just don't really want to do something, I don't want to, you know, go to the gym, here's one that I wrote down. I can't remember the last time that I laughed until it hurt. That's how I know that my dashboard's going off. What is it for you? How do you know? Maybe it's you have difficulty catching your breath. Maybe you have difficulty focusing on something. Maybe you forget what you're doing in the middle of doing it. Maybe. You go on vacation and you get sick. Most, many people, their first day of vacation, have you ever noticed this? You just get sick. It's your body's way of saying, so this was fun. <laughs> we ran too fast. But what is it for you? What is your rhythm dashboard? See, for Katie and I, what this did was it, it caused us to ask a question that's actually one of our staff values around pursuing health. And the question is this, are we making decisions today that will help us to thrive tomorrow? Are we making decisions today that will help us to thrive tomorrow? The reality is that most of us, when it comes to the decisions that you and I make today, they will actually not help us to thrive tomorrow. But we look around and we say, well, these are all the decisions everybody else is making. And that's probably true, but the reality is we've not stepped back to say, are our friends actually thriving? Is the marriage of the people that we spend time with, are their marriages thriving in a way that I actually want to emulate their marriage? Are there, is their career thriving or are they just a workaholic? And so 
we need to step back and ask, am I making decisions about my sleep, about my food, uh, about my community, uh, about the way that I do work? Am I making decisions today that will help me to thrive tomorrow? And like I said, God has created us to live in rhythm. God has not created us to live in a balance. We're not supposed to put just rocks on top of each other and hope that it just makes it. We are created to live in rhythm. And we see it in the text that, that Chris read earlier. It, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Now, when we think of the Ten Commandments, at least the way that I've mostly ever thought about the Ten Commandments, is that God just lists out ten things that you're not supposed to do. Okay? That's how most of us think about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, you know, and, and it's a good list. We go, yeah, thou shalt shall not kill, you know, thou shalt not steal. But the reality is that the Ten Commandments, in its broader context, is much bigger than that. See, when God brings the nation of Israel out of slavery, okay, they had spent 400 years as slaves. So I want you to imagine for a moment, this entire generation of Israelites has no idea what it's like to live in freedom. No idea. They have no idea what it's like to live and not have to work every single day of the week. And so when God brings them out of Egypt, he says in verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And so he says, what you experienced, what you knew was slavery, but what you're moving into is freedom. And so then out of that, he gives the Ten Commandments to say, this is how you live in freedom. Because when we think of this idea of Sabbath, okay? So I remember the, the church that I grew up in, the idea of Sabbath, you just did nothing fun on Sabbath. Like you didn't go to the movie theater, you didn't go to the store, you, didn't, you took a nap, which as like an 11-year-old was awful. And now I'm like, man, I would just kill for a nap sometimes. I'd love to go back to my former self and be like, this is your future self, take a nap, it's going to be great. But Sabbath, like growing up, didn't sound great at all. And Sabbath is a great day to catch up on stuff. Because maybe if other people are taking a Sabbath, there'll be less people at the grocery store. And so we think, oh, you know, I'm kind of like gaming the system here. But then God says to them in verse 8, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your gates. For the Lord your God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. And so the writer of Exodus says, in light of the freedom that God has given to you, Sabbath is, to, is part of this freedom, this invitation of stopping, of resting, of not thinking, of not working, of recharging. He says, remember the Sabbath day. The word Sabbath has two meanings to it. The first is that it means to stop. It means to stop. It means to stop working, to stop wanting, to stop worrying, to just stop. That when we remember the Sabbath, we stop. We cease to do what we did the other six days. So much so that it looks different because it says to keep it holy, which carries this idea of being set apart. It's different than the other days. It says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You labor for six days, do all your work. But why do this? 
He says, because God did this. And you and I are created in the image of God. And so when we go through life, when we go through our day-to-day life, we are imaging God to the world around us. We are saying, this is what God's kingdom is like. And most of the people outside of the church look at us and go, well, if God's kingdom is overwhelmed and exhausted and frazzled, I want that. We go, yeah, but this is the good life. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why? Because God did. He said in verse 11, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. And he rested on the seventh day because God was exhausted. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he needed to rest. It doesn't say where God just sat back and like, man, we earned today. We did. We earned today. God didn't get to the seventh day and do what we normally do and go, oh my goodness, there's a white block on our calendar. There's nothing today that we have to do. He didn't say that at all. No, he rested. He rested. See, but we have this idea that if I work more, I'm going to get more done. And we're going to talk next week about work. We're going to talk about the spiritual rhythm of work next week because it is a huge spiritual rhythm in our life. We spend a third of our life doing it. And God cares deeply about how we do it. But one of the things that we know from from studies is that more hours does not equal more productivity. In fact, if you put side by side a person who works 70 hours a week and a person who works 55 hours a week, do you know what you'll get? The exact same productivity. We go, no, that can't be true. Some of you right now are thinking, I'll prove that wrong. And you're trying. You're trying really hard. Same productivity. Because we think if I just do more, and what's 55 hours? Well, that, that's, that's our work. That's our life. That's our six days. See, Sabbath also doesn't just mean stop. It also, in Hebrew, means to delight. To delight. See, Sabbath and resting is about stopping and delighting. It's about stopping and delighting. It's about stopping and enjoying. It's about stopping and breathing it in. Now, some of us are wondering, yeah, but where am I going to fit that in? Like, how am I going to pull that off? Because I really like to do stuff, Josh. Like, I really like to be burned out and crispy and angry all the time. I, I enjoy that. The people around me really, really love it. Fun at parties and everything. I love what Mark Buchanan said in his book, The Rest of God. He said, the Sabbath golden rule is we cease from what is necessary and we embrace that which gives life. We cease from what is necessary and we embrace that which gives life. See, Sabbath is a gift that God gave in freedom. He said, I I knew you need to stop and delight. Why? Because we're really good at not stopping, and most of us are really good at not taking in moments and delighting. Most of us are really good at missing things. Most of us, we've looked at pictures and we thought, when did we do that? When did we go on that trip? I didn't know that person was at this party. Did you know she was at this party? Did you see it? Because we miss it. We miss moments. 
We miss opportunities to be present. And we know it because the person across the table or our kids say, hey, can you put your phone down? I don't feel like you're here. We're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, re- I'm really listening. I'm, I'm multitasking. Well, we, we don't cease from what is necessary and stop and delight. And here's why I think many of us don't do this. At least as I'll speak just, just on my own. One of the confessions that I've had to deal with over the last several years is I actually don't know how to enjoy things. I remember Katie and I were... We're hiking, and we got up to the very top, and she sat down, and she's just taking it in. Katie's really good at, like, enjoying stuff. She's just she's taking it all in. And I pull up my phone, and I'm like, all right, so we've got to get going so we can get back down before, like, anything happens. And she's like, J- just sit down. Like, just take this in. And you know what? I was so uncomfortable. Like, I sat down, and I'm like, so now what? Okay? And then she said, just sit here. And I remember I looked at her and I go, but why? Like, like I, I've done this when, we, when we've sat like on the, the Pacific Ocean and just we're sitting on these cliffs and I'm like, all right, well, let's keep walking. Like, let's get our steps in. Like, let's just keep going. And so I've had to step back and here's a great question that has been incredibly helpful for me that has framed Sabbath. And it's this question, what would you do for 24 hours that would fill your soul with deep, throbbing joy? Now, if you're anything like me and you think, I have no idea what I would do outside of work or tasks or completing my list, this message is for you. And maybe for some of you, you look at this question and say, you know what, I used to know the answer to this question. And I used to do it, but now I, I, I don't. I, so what would bring you, I love that phrase, deep, throbbing joy. What would bring you joy? Who would, be a, who would be around the table? Who would be there? Who wouldn't be around the table? Because some of us have some people around the table that, that don't bring us throbbing joy. That brings us some other feelings that maybe we go, you know what? Other six days of the week. You get the other six days of the week, but Sabbath is not for you. <laughs> well, what would, we, what would fill your day? Would it be a hobby? Would it be taking a long walk? Would it be fishing? Would it be, would it be painting, reading a book? Taking a nap? What, what would it be? Would it be outside? Would you be inside? Place really, really matters when it comes to to Sabbath. What would bring your soul deep, throbbing joy? That is the invitation of Sabbath. That is the invitation that God gives to us. See, Walter Brueggemann said this. He said, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Because here's why. To live into the Sabbath, you have to plan for the Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't just happen. I remember when I was in Israel, and and when when Sabbath would come, the elevators stop at every floor so you don't have to push the button. Everything changed in the city. Everything was different. There was a different feeling that was surrounding that day. 
And we've lost that in our culture. We've lost that in our speed. And we know deep down that, that we're missing it. We, we know because our, our souls are jumbled. We know that we're frazzled. We know that we're overwhelmed. Like, like we sit here in a message like this, and, and if we're honest, we're like, yeah, I, I could really take that. I could do that. But then we'll go out and we'll get back into the race with everybody else. But what would it look like for you to live your six days and on your seventh day, set a day aside for stopping and delighting? For stopping and delighting. And so maybe for you, maybe for you, it's part of thinking through, what would actually be enjoyable? What would be delighting? I love that word delighting. It's like a word that we don't use a lot. Like, we don't, no one ever says, hey, how was your vacation? It was delightful. <laughs> we don't say that. We just say, I just need another vacation. It wasn't long enough. You know, I'm exhausted now. How was your weekend? Oh, it's just delightful. If you said that tomorrow at work, your coworkers would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we live into this rhythm? So uh, on your Connect card, if you check the Next Step email box, we're going to send to you a few ideas. I want to give you a couple that have been helpful for us. The first is this. Schedule it. Actually put it in your calendar. This is one of the hardest things to do. You will find every reason on the planet to not schedule 24 hours. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, but could I just do like four hours? Like, could I do four? You could sin. That's cool. <laughs> but schedule it. Set it aside. Tell your family. Hey, this is a day that's set aside. This is what we're doing. Now, I will tell you, it, depending on the age of your kids, they will do everything in their power to fight against this. They are not, they're not huge fans of stopping and delighting. But I can tell you, there are some great things that come when you attempt this. And when you schedule it and it doesn't happen and somebody gets sick and this thing comes up, and you forget that it was supposed to be on this day, you thought it was the next day, and you forgot which day it was, just give yourself grace. God's not up in heaven going, man, well, fine, you just don't get, you don't get the delight then. You know, he, that's not how he's acting. He just has grace for us. If you get through the first couple hours and it's just falling apart, just say, hey, we're going to like regroup, and today's the day. We're just doing it. But schedule it. Put it on your calendar. The next thing, decide what gives you life, rest, and delight. What brings you life? What things are you going to do? Who are you going to be with? What's going to be restful? The thing that's restful for you may not be restful for your spouse, so you're going to have to kind of navigate some of that tension. Maybe you kind of, you know, do every other kind of a thing. There's a very good chance that the, you guys don't find the same things restful. Well, what would it look like? One of the big things that, that we do on our Sabbath, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, one of our rhythms, is having a Sabbath feast. It's a big part of our, of our Sabbath. It's a part of how we enjoy and live out hospitality in our family. But here's one to think about when it comes to, to thinking through what gives you life, rest, and delight. Decide ahead of time what your rule on electronics are. 
Decide ahead of time what your rule on electronics are. Because that is a big part of what takes away life, takes away rest, and takes away delight. The reason I know is I'm never happy after I look at social media. I never feel delightful. But what's your rule? What are you going to do? And if you don't know, just sit down together and say, what would bring deep, throbbing joy to our family? What would we do? Ask your kids. They have ideas. One of the things that came out when we asked our kids this years ago is a game. It's, it, we call it Tickle Monster because there was like a little book that had like a tickle thing, whatever. We turn all the lights out in our house, and I just chase the kids around the house. And we run into stuff, and like, it, it's just chaos. Someone gets hurt every time. We've never gotten through without somebody getting hurt. But this is one of our Sabbath practices. This is what brings life and rest and delight. So what is it for you? Think through it. Talk through it as a family. And the last, the last thing, just do it. Just do it. Just make it happen. I mean, think for a moment. The God of the universe who created all that we see and created you and created me said, I want you to have a day where you stop and delight. I want you to have a day where you stop striving and you let go. I want you to have a day where you stop and you delight in the gifts that I've given to you, in my presence, in, in all of the things that I've showered out to you. I want you to delight in those things. That is the God that we serve. And Sabbath is a gift that he gives to us. It's not a drudgery. It's not something that we have to do that we don't really want to do, but no, it, it's something that God placed in us that we long for. And when we do, we are practicing and living out what life in the kingdom of God is like. And so as we close, here's how I want to close today. The band is going to sing over us a song called Abide. And it's not, it's not a song for us to sing together. It's just a song. I want you to sit and I want you to soak it in. And I want to encourage you to just stop to stop thinking, to stop pushing, to stop thinking about what has to come next. I want you to keep your phone on the floor in your pocket or in your purse. Like I want you to just stop, and I want you to just let this song flow over you. And know that when we stop and we delight on Sabbath, our God says, I want to be with you. And I want you to be with me. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you invite us to stop and to delight. You tell us, stop, set a, set a day apart for resting, for life, for delight. And so God, I pray that a hunger would well up inside of us. An overwhelming desire would well up inside of us to experience 24 hours of joy in you. And so God, as we just sit here for a moment, so many of us just, we rush into church, we rush through everything. Help us right now to let go of the things we brought with us. Help us to let go of the things that we're thinking through. And help us to just stop. Just pause to delight.